Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the DevThink Podcast with your hosts, Sean and... Nicola. You know, we should say each other's names next time just to confuse people. Now, so uh, in Nicola's never-ending quest to eventually kill me, we're adding yet another theme to our lineup of shows. And this one is, as we all do, we get newsletters, we go through mailing lists, we go through uh, sites like Hacker News or... We get links from friends or from Twitter, and we read all kinds of interesting stuff throughout the week, um, most of which we immediately forget, some of which will change our careers. And we've decided to save a couple of favorites each week and bring them here for you so that we can talk about the things we're most excited about, maybe get them more publicity, or maybe get some opinions from people who have more experience on them. And, yeah, and we... this, yes, and this should potentially save you some time of going through these newsletters and because honestly nowadays there are a lot of them yeah and you know you maybe you can point out your favorites that we missed and maybe we can be of service because maybe you don't subscribe to the same same things we do and this will you know help you find them you know what we should start doing is we should also keep track of how we became aware of them so we can give those hints to the listeners that maybe they can you know join that newsletter or whatever so, do you want to start with one of yours? Sure. So, this was this one was on Medium and I honestly can't remember where I saw it. It could be that it was it was a hacker newsletter. I honestly don't know. Anyways, uh the article and yes, are the articles we are going to put the links of articles in the comments. Uh so this one was who killed the junior developer where the author goes uh and talks about how Everybody needs de needs developers these days, but nobody kind of like wants to hire a junior dev. And this is actually, I think, something that will be interesting to you because she goes into the, as she explains this all, and she goes like that it kind of like isn't viable from a money standpoint to hire a junior dev because you have to train him. Uh, and it basically evolves around this. And then she kind of like gives a few tips and stuff. But I know that in your case, you would absolutely, and I know that you are doing it, love to do that in order. So for example, even in our company, we have this program where we are hiring from within, which is, in my opinion, very good thing. And yeah, so she goes and says that companies don't like to have their developers, their senior developers to quote unquote waste time. But I would kind of like disagree. And I think that's a very good thing that if you have a developer, I mean, the senior developer that is willing and knows how to teach, because let's be honest, not every developer, which may be awesome, you know, the best developer in the world, but they, not everybody can be a very good teacher. Uh, so if you have people like this, I would actually incentivize you to, allow them to teach other, be it junior devs or be it other people in your organization that maybe want to learn how to code. So that was an interesting uh, article. I have a couple thoughts on that uh, article. Um, I can see it from both sides because everyone complains that it's hard to find more senior people, but unless you give a junior person a job who can become senior in a few years, you're going to find yourself with a shortage. So I can totally understand that. On the other hand, 
I can also see from my own experience, and I think the experience of literally every single developer I've ever known, is when you get hired as a junior developer, you're always a junior developer in the eyes of the management of that company. And the only way you can get past a junior level salary is to move on. So what you had mentioned from the article that they don't want to hire junior people and waste time training them, it's not a waste for the junior developer, but it is ultimately a waste for the company because at some point they're going to get tired of getting, you know, two and 3% raises and say, Hey, it's, you know, about time I got a fifteen twenty thousand $20,000 bump because I'm now a mid-level developer. And the way you get that in the software industry, unfortunately, is you get another job. So it's yeah, a shame. I, yeah, exactly. And she actually does mention this job oh, hopping, job hopping thing. Yeah, it's how you get a raise. All right. Uh, so I have and actually two. so oh and yes so I do have one comment uh, and she didn't go into this maybe that's that's how I'm wired is so okay you're a junior dev and you're you know you're out of school and you're a junior dev no problem with that all of us were quote unquote junior devs at some point but if you're a junior dev a year from now that's a problem and that's problem and that that's on you. Because, and we go back to the show that we did uh, a few shows ago, is, hey, you know, you want to make it? Well, grind it out. Learn on your own. You know, at home, there are, thankfully, nowadays, there are a lot of, a lot of resources out there that are actually even free. So there's no excuse of not becoming better. That's all I'm going to say on that one. All right. So my first is an amusing one. It's called the history of the browser user agent string. And it's on a website called webaim.org. And I'm obviously not going to run through the whole thing, but originally uh, Mozilla stood for Mosaic Killer. And for those of you who are younger listeners, uh, Mosaic was a web browser uh, a long time ago. And later they changed it to Netscape, and Netscape was way better than Microsoft Internet Explorer, was able to support frames, but, and I don't know the technical reasons why this wouldn't happen, but frames would not work in Internet Explorer. So Internet Explorer started identifying itself as a Mozilla-compatible browser, so it could impersonate the Netscape browser so that frames would work. And it basically goes on to describe how a similar pattern happened with Opera and with Safari and onto, you know, Firefox and Chrome. So I just think it's amusing that the user agent string, which I've just always taken for granted, is just always there. Uh, it actually was put there for a reason. And I never really questioned why, you know, different browsers were identifying themselves as almost all some version of Mozilla. So, I don't know. Interesting article. Uh, what's your next one? Unless you have some interesting comments on that. No, cool. Cool. It was cool. Uh, no comments there. Uh, my second one was forget work-life balance. It's all about the blend. And now as I'm comparing mine to yours, it seems like, oh, Nicola, what are you reading, right? Where are the technical stuff? Uh, I will get to that because usually I do go through the mobile web weekly and the javascript weekly so next week probably more links 
Well, this is your that. blend. You're doing soft things that are tech related. It's actually funny because you use the word blend and it's uh, the title of this one is work life balance. It's all about the blend where right, basically, yeah, we're, ba we're basically like, honestly, there's no such thing as a work life balance, especially like in our industry. Okay. Because even when you go home and you kind of like keep thinking about it, right? So what can you do, right? Well, you can go for some time, you know, honestly, head down, work hard, but then you have to also level that out with some time off and kind of like recharge. And it's not like that you always have to, you know, like have this work-life balance. Otherwise, you're going to, I don't know what, drop dead or what. But you have to realize that there's no work-life balance. But it's more like work and then a bit recharge. And again, work and recharge. And I would definitely have to agree with that because I'm probably the <laughs> living example of that one. Uh, so, yeah. And she goes into few, uh, actually, I think it's a he in this post. Don't want to offend anybody, of course. Um, and she goes into few, you know, kind of like things that you could do. And not going into these details, if you'll be interested in this kind of area of improvement or you want to know how you can get to this work-life balance, honestly, I have no idea. <laughs> but yeah, this may work, right? Because as that song goes, work hard, play hard. That's how it should be done. If you don't want to quote unquote burn out. Yeah. I don't have an answer for this. I did read an article and I can't find it right now with a quick Google search, but it basically said you have in your life, friends, family, work, and fitness. And at least one has to suffer. And I don't remember what uh, conclusions they came to, but it does seem kind of fitting. You know, if you get married and start having kids and you do things with your family, you spend less time with your friends. And if you are getting ahead at work and you're, or you're trying to start a business, you spend less time with your family. And if you do any of those things, you're probably not, you know, exercising regularly. Everyone seems to gain weight in their middle age. So, you know, uh, yeah, if anybody has the answer to having it all, please email us. Yes. Definitely. Uh, I would pay that. <laughs> right. All right. My last one is a quickie also. It's just about WebAssembly. And there is a an effort in place to bring WebAssembly to Go, because right now you can only write WebAssembly in C. At least uh, that's what it looks like from the official documentation. And just in brief, WebAssembly is meant to replace JavaScript by, like right now, you can write code in C. And then you can compile it to bytecode, which is called WebAssembly. And then that can be, you know, embedded in your web page. And that will be the code that executes. And it has a major advantage because if you think about how many sites have something like jQuery, every single browser in the world that loads a site that has jQuery has to download and then basically compile or interpret the jQuery code. And that's a lot of code. If it were written in WebAssembly, then it could be written and compiled, and then the bytecode would then be passed to every single browser. So that work is done once instead of millions of times. It executes a lot faster, 
And because it's bytecode, it doesn't have to be fully loaded before the interpretation can start. So it can actually start executing as soon as it starts downloading. So even before it's finished downloading, the beginning of it can start to run. And it's just going to be great for efficiency and for writing you know, good tight code. Uh, I just think there's a lot of bloat with millions of JavaScript libraries and also the fact that JavaScript is the only universal language and it is one of the worst languages out there. Uh, send hate mail directly to me, not Nicola. And, <laughs> because I love it, right? And this allow, oh yeah, Mr. Ionic, of course. And it it allows people to use more modern languages, languages that were designed to have a bit more integrity and make a little more sense to interact with the DOM, which is amazing and something I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, well, it has to be said, interesting things ahead, right? Yes. Anyways, okay, so my last one was, uh, actually, so this was a reread because uh, I guess that he started again posting or maybe the sites or these newsletters somehow picked it up now because he's been around for some time. I'm talking about James Clear. He's awesome. I believe that we both agree that he's awesome, awesome, uh, because he distills things down to understandable steps, so to speak. And I really like him. Uh, anyways, this post is how to stop procrastinating by using the so-called two-minute rule. And it's actually so simple that it's simple, easy. It's if a thing, uh, if, if a certain thing takes two minutes to complete, then you should do it now, period. That's it, done, over. The thing is, um, you should do it and not, you know, kind of like, because here's the thing. If you have a lot of things to do, right? Even if they take less than two minutes and if they start to pile up, you will feel that you're stuck. But if you go and, and you see, oh, this thing, two minutes and do it right now, you at least have one thing crossed off your to-do list. And here's one thing which I have to add. Uh, this doesn't have to be or shouldn't be confused with the thing of um, when you have a big thing that you have to do. Well, here's the thing. You have to do that thing first in the morning. But that's a separate thing which this does not necessarily conflict with. But it's a very good thing to uh, kind of like stop procrastinating in terms of, oh, you have so much things to do but I can't start. Well, start with the things that take you less than two minutes. And yeah, in general, like I recommend James Clear in general, and I will put the link to his website. Uh, do you have any comments on this one, Sean? Um, no, I mean, you know, we learned from GTD that if it takes under two minutes, you should do it. And I see how that's an easy win. But what if I have 50 things on my to-do list and only one of them or two of them can be done in two minutes? Fine, I'll do those you know, first thing in the morning, but how will that help me uh, stop procrastinating on some of the larger things or figure out which of the 50 things that I've been, that people are waiting on me for, I should prioritize or start working on next. Sure. The prioritization uh, should be come before that, but here's the thing. Here's the actually additional benefit of this two minute rule. The thing is that you will very often find yourself uh, that if you just start if you get this ball rolling, so to speak, it's actually very easy to continue 
And if you feel like, quote-unquote, feel like continuing, you will see that it's not a problem. I believe that every, probably every person, not even dev, like maybe especially devs, uh, can relate to this one. You know, you kind of like, there's this problem, there's this uh, bunch of code that you just can't get into because it's, you know, uh, very poorly written or whatever, right? But when you get in there, you're like, oh, this was easy, right? The hard part was to start, right? So this two-minute rule may actually help you with that as well. So you're like, you're like, you just say, you know what? For this next two minutes, I'm just gonna take a look at what are the input parameters of the function and output, you know? And maybe you just, you know, an hour later, you see yourself refactoring the whole thing. Maybe. <laughs> okay, so basically you say you get the ball rolling and you use that momentum to yeah. get more done. All right, well, hope it works. Definitely. I mean, let us know, guys. All right. Well, I think we're good for this episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. Don't forget to send us feedback and show suggestions if you have any. And we will see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to the DevThink Podcast. To reach us for comments, show suggestions, and other feedback, contact us at info at devthink. That's D-E-V-T-H dot I-N-K. Our intro music is by Rupa Deadweiler. No animals were harmed in the making of this podcast. 